Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. And this is the Brucklery Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Today, we're going to be talking about the political spectrum, both on the Republican side and on the Democratic side. We are now in uh, July of 2015. So a lot can happen, of course. But you know what? Neither you nor I, well, speaking for myself, Ari, uh, maybe I speak for you as well. I'm just not very interested in... Uh, trying to guess and taking the odds and the horse jockeying of, of what it's going to be like, you know, who's got the best shots and all that stuff. And, the, you know, such and such is the, you know, 350 to 1 odds favorite or whatever it might be. I don't, I'm not into that. I, I also think it's too, too early to, to possibly tell what's going to happen. I, I, I have no idea. Now, it's easier on the, on the Democrat side because there's only um, four. Four of them, you're right, as opposed to the Republican side, which is... 20. As of, is it 20 as of yeah, today? Basically. I mean, yeah, it yeah. might as well be 20. Yeah. Um, so we don't know. But forget about the who for a second, because I'm not really going to talk about who I'm predicting or anything else, because it's just it's too difficult to predict. We can talk about those candidates that we really like, those candidates that we really dislike, but more importantly, I think... I'm more interested in knowing why this are, there, there's a certain movement within the Republican field and most, most interestingly in the Democratic field. So, for example, we have, good for today, Donald Trump, until he you know, fizzles out, because he will fizzle out. Uh, Donald Trump is really getting a lot of traction. And again, I don't think he has a chance in hell to, to actually become president or even get the nomination for that matter. But why? Why is he getting so much traction? And I, I think the reason why is he's talking about the issues that people give a crap about. Immigration, ISIS, and the business environment, and, and the massive regulations that Obama wants to impose. He's talking about all those key core issues, not just that the conservatives embrace, but also that I think many Americans want to talk about as well. And that's why. Suddenly he's getting a lot of attention. Surprise. And it's not about him. It's about the, the content of what he's saying. We need to remember that. 
in a way, it's like uh, you know when you choose among TV channels, right? You you decide, well, I I don't want to watch PBS because by golly, it's boring as all get out, right? Who, who watched Sesame? By the way, we we both have kids, you and I. Well, did you ever turn on Sesame Street? The, you mean Commie Street for them? <laughs> yeah. No. The answer is no, right? So, I mean Socialist Street? No. <laughs> I just call it the Boredom Street because it is boring. I mean, it, for, for me and for the kids. They just didn't know what, what they wanted, what, what the show wanted from them. I don't know what. Suddenly there's numbers throwing at them. Like, wh- you think this is educating my child? Anyway, the point is... Do you really want them to aspire to living in a garbage can? Yeah, what was that all about? You know, so... Anyway, the <laughs> socialism exactly. Right. Well, socialism. I'd much rather they learn about I, I don't know Star Wars and and Kung Fu Panda, which is really fun. You know, something that's consistent. Um, and you know what? They'll learn stuff anyway. Let's just entertain for the time being. And I think I speak for most parents in that department. I'm, I'm surprised that Sesame Street is still around, but because that's public television for you. Um, but so, so that's why we gravitate toward it because the content is better. Okay, it's as simple as that. Or uh, for an adult, uh, more adult-oriented stuff, we, we, we preferred NBC. Remember, uh, you said it must-see TV, right? Thursday night must-see TV. Anytime that was time back in the 90s. 80s era with uh, Cosby Show, Cheers, Family Ties, Night Court, all the way to the 90s with Friends and Seinfeld. You know, quality television. Yeah. It was that just appealed to everyone. It was very funny. It was, it was where you went to, and you, and ABC and CBS had to take a back seat because they just didn't have the the great quality that MC had at the time, and that's why that's why we gravitate toward it. It wasn't it wasn't because it was NBC, it wasn't because and we didn't not go to ABC because it was ABC. We went to NBC because that's where the great content was, and the same thing is true now with these candidates. The words that are emanating from this particular candidate are more interesting than the words that are emanating from that particular candidate. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what his accent is. I don't care how fat or skinny he is. That guy is talking about issues that are important to me. And in a way, with his behavior that shows he's pugnacious and not fearful. How long has it been since we've had a Republican candidate, any Republican candidate, who wasn't afraid of the media? You, I mean, just heard, you just heard the word of the day, pugnacious. You'll be tested on this later, pugnacious. Go on. Oh, I was done. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> see, that's why the see? show works. Chemistry. This is, a, this is an educational yet. show, you see? <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. I think I say that at least one, every podcast now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you have you have uh, this uh, Donald Trump saying these, you know, very important issues that he's talking about, and I I like that he's talking about them, and in a sense he's t- he's forcing everyone else out too. The truth is, and, and I'm hoping that that the if we're going to have this many people in the in the nomination field for the Republican Party, then I hope everyone becomes, as you said, a whetstone to everyone else. Right to, to sharpen themselves, the knife on the whetstone. And I think that Donald Trump might be just such a whetstone for everyone else. Here's another thing that's interesting, because to some extent, um, and I mentioned this on my Sunday show, the Republican Party, with all its nominees, at some point it's going to be like the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? 
Now, what do I mean by that? All those kids, do you remember? They all had the golden ticket and everything else, and they got in line, and Willy Wonka was going to give them a tour. And what they didn't know was that, in fact, he was looking for one of them to, to take over the factory, to be the new Willy Wonka, as it were. And, um, but all they had to do was just not you know, eat that experimental bubble gum, not stray into this or that experimental room, and uh, then they would be okay. And yes, Charlie and his uh, gran- grandfather, I think, strayed for a moment, but nevertheless they came back and, and they, they expressed goodness and everything else. This is going to be a little bit like that, this whole candidacy thing with the Republican nomination. They are, from time to time, there will be one particular candidate who says a gaffe that is so bad that he's going to have to go bye-bye. And there's another candidate who just simply won't get enough traction uh, from a popularity point of view, for whatever reason, and he's not firm enough, he's not, doesn't speak on the right issues, he's going to go bye-bye too. And there'll be internecine conflicts among the Republicans as well. And some of those people will go bye-bye as a result of that. And the, the, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is who's going to be speaking the, uh, out the real issues, the issues that are the core? To me, to my mind, immigration... ISIS, the business regulatory environment. Those are three key things that I, I think stand out. You might also add in you know, family and social issues such as gay marriage and abortion and such. I don't know if that's going to be as big a play now that the Supreme Court has made its ruling and it's, it's you know, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to do a whole campaign based solely on that? I, I don't know. What do you think about that? The social issues. I think they're fantastic. I think the huge mistake the Republican Party made is nominating candidates that stay away from the social issues, which ignore the fact that there are millions of people who are registered Democrat who hate voting Democrat, but do so because the Republicans don't give them an alternative on the social issues. Oh, interesting. So you're saying that uh, if, if they were to be more adamant about, let's say, abortion or, or same-sex marriage, that... Um that more Democrats would vote for the Republican yes, candidate. absolutely. Right. Because remember how Democrats act in any election cycle. They paint themselves as social conservatives. Uh-huh. Remember Obama 2008? I think marriage is one man, one woman. I don't support late-term abortion, you right. know, regardless of the fact that he you know, uh, voted president on that law that uh, kept it legal in um, the state of Illinois to chase a living fetus down the hallway and beat it to death. Yes, I remember that. Abor- you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the point is they mm-hmm. paint themselves as social conservatives because they know their union base voters in those Rust Belt states are socially conservative people who just don't want to vote for who they perceive as a corporatist. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And, and, and the meaning, the QED on it is that means that the worst possible candidate the Republicans can nominate for their own electoral self-interest are the Jeb Bushes or Mitt Romneys of this world who come off as rich oligarchical guys who have no social uh, uh, value spines to begin with. Right. Let's move on to the Democratic side of the equation because that, to me, in, in many ways, is more interesting. I was so wrong that I thought Elizabeth Warren was going to run when she obviously got a sex change and changed her name to Bernie Sanders. Yes, yes, exactly right. If, if uh, So in this country, it's no longer... It, now it's more individual-specific. So if you feel like you're Bernie Sanders, then 
then you are Bernie Sanders. That's, that's what you're saying, right? right? Yes. That's, all right. That, that's, that's what's happening here. Uh, anything goes in this country, man. Look, Bernie Sanders, uh, he apparently is getting wild traction. Now, I don't think for a moment, at least good for today, that he's going to get the nomination. So don't get me wrong. But I will say that he apparently is going to be much more a thorn in the side of Hillary Clinton than they had ever expected. So that, that's part of the nomination process when you think about it is that nothing ever falls into place as you would expect it to. That doesn't happen that way, right? Uh, ask Hillary Clinton herself, who uh, thought for sure that she was going to get the nomination in, in 08. And, and then, uh, you know, in comes this Johnny-come-lately named Obama, who, uh, who snatches the nomination from her, or so, so from her perception, right? So same thing here. Bernie Sanders, I, I, again, I don't think he, I mean, he's so crazy, that guy, and he's such an old coot. Uh, and a socialist, an open socialist at How that. How is he more crazy than, than Hillary Clinton? I'm with you. Policy no, I agree. Wise. I don't think he's any more crazy. But he looks crazier, and he says the, he's more blatantly, more blatant in his socialism. He hides, she hides her socialism much better than he does. So it's, it's the difference between, uh, you know, you can say two people are the same, except that one person walks around without clothes and, and has crazy frizzy hair. Um, they might, might be both equally brilliant, but you're not going to deal with the one who's naked and has crazy, frizzy hair. But the Democrat voter base has been made crazy by the media, by the educational institutions, by its own culture for so long. Well, that's my point. we underestimate is how crazy – it was crazy enough to vote for Barack Obama. You know, okay, maybe you're, you're, ma- you're making my point for right. me. I'm which making is, the point, but yeah. I'm, I'm furthering it, saying I think you can even go bolder and say, I think Bernie Sanders is going to take this thing from her, and if he doesn't, another leftist will. Someone who's authentic well, left. Well, here's the point. Here, Bernie Sanders is gaining traction because I think, frankly, they like what he has to say. He, he is saying, uh, I like socialism, I want socialism. You know, all this time, people have been moving ever so closer toward the socialist rhetoric and, and adopting socialist agendas. And finally, he's saying, let's call a spade a spade. We are social, socialists, and we, we're already so close to what Sweden and Norway have to offer and, and England and all those places. Well, then, let's just do the same thing. We are socialist, is what he wants to say. And he's speaking their language. He's talking about um, you know, nationalizing just about every industry possible. You know, Obama has already whetted everyone's appetite in this very department, so what's to stop them from embracing a man named Bernie Sanders? And that's why he's getting this traction. Because, remember, the nomination process is all about getting your base, right? Right. First and uh, foremost. By contrast, Hillary Clinton, uh, this is good for my perception at least, she's doing zilch. She's just kind of walking around saying, I'm here, and you know I'm an inevitable, so let's just, uh, you know, I just need to, I wish I could take a hibernation pill and wake me up at the time of the election, and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll uh, kiss some babies and we'll be done with this madness, right? That's what her dream is. This is all a big waste of time for her. But she's making the same mistake that she made in 08. Uh, in the sense Didn't that... did you say many podcast moons ago that people don't change? Yes, I did, and I believe that very firmly. That's a good point. People don't change. She's not going to be anyone other than Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton has the same, 
look, she's not going to be smarter than she was. I don't think she's a very bright woman. She's not going to be more poised than she was. You can't teach that, right? You can't teach intelligence. You can't teach poise. You can't teach uh, somebody to avoid a gaffe. You can't teach her how to be a more interesting speaker. No. The woman's b- as boring as watching, you know, concrete heat up in the sun. <laughs> well, she, you can't change her voice. Her voice, and this is, again, not her fault, but it's a reality. She doesn't have a commanding voice. It is her fault because Barack, if she was smart, mm-hmm. she would speak her entire speech in sign language and get someone else to do the audio part. You see why I can't work under these conditions, my friends? You see? This is what I, now I have to say. No, that doesn't make sense, Ari. What are you talking it makes about, Ari? It perfect sense to me. All right, all right. <laughs> I feel like I'm, a, I'm my own producer. I have to move along. That's his job. Ari's supposed to tell me, come on, bro. Let's, let's move on. Yeah, it's just, I've got this crazy guy here with but me. But you're, you're, the totality of your point is an, is an excellent one. She's, you know, they, they love to throw out that term electability. She's, she's the unelectable candidate. Yeah, that's the no amazing one, thing. It's like the movie Tootsie. Remember the line? Michael, no one will hire you. <laughs> Hillary, no one will vote for you. Well, the, the problem is that Hillary Clinton hopes that people will vote for her because she's, well, Hillary Clinton. And that there's nothing else to offer. Yeah, but voters don't change. They didn't before. They won't now. That's true. No, they, they're tired of her and everything else. So this is, this is she's almost giving, I mean, look, if this were a chess game between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, it would look like this. Bernie Sanders would be moving his pieces uh, at seriatim, one after the other, while Hillary Clinton is literally doing nothing or maybe making one move or two. Uh, every you know, ten minutes, moving a horse back and forth from its original yeah. position back. Well, that and, which, by the way, she's done with the these redoing her opening moves, right? Right? Yeah. Relaunching. Yeah. How? When's the third or fourth launch going to come? It's it's a little bit absurd. It's almost as if she she's really only half in it. She's definitely she doesn't say I'm in it to win it like she did in, in 08. Uh, you know, maybe she doesn't want to repeat it because it sounds it's too reminiscent of of an 08. Loser campaign, right? But nevertheless, she doesn't have that attitude. She doesn't have the gusto. I'm in it, and I'm going to do this thing, and we need to take this. And I'm, I'm, I know that I'm ahead in the polls. That's all nice and everything else. But I'm going to, I'm going to proceed as though I, I'm in for the fight for my life. Because by golly, we are, we are all in for the fight for our life. We must con- continue our liberal agendas because those conservatives want to take us back in time and and uh, all the, you could see that it, why doesn't she say those things you know what this is i just had a realization of what this is and why we're enjoying ourselves so much we're having as much fun with this election cycle as democrats had in the 2008 election cycle watching us put up john mccain yes ooh my friend my friend <laughs> my friend <laughs> <laughs> My friend, moderates. You know, you do understand it wasn't Frankenstein <laughs> that we were putting up. Yeah, pretty much. Jeez <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but, but this is wonderful entertainment. You're seeing this completely inept woman who is really dumb as a rock, and she, she is, is dumb because she never learns from her past mistakes. Everything she does is a repeat of what she did before. The scandals, the lying. She, she hasn't figured out that people know she's a liar. Sanders has such an advantage and will win because the one thing he doesn't do, 
not only does he not do it well, he doesn't do it at all, is lie. Well, that's and true. He doesn't lie. And people can smell that on her yeah. a mile away. With Obama, do, do, do you they think, didn't know he was a liar. Do you think, however, that the Democratic Party will still pass up this opportunity to present the first woman nominee as a candidate? Well, I think they're going to, she's going to drop out. My prediction is that she's going to drop out at a certain point because of health concerns, and Elizabeth Warren will step in, and then that'll be the voice of reason, the establishment. And she'll be the woman yeah. candidate, right? Unless she decides that she wants to be Bernie Sanders, like you said. Right. So, look, I think it's oddly enough much more likely that she will drop out of the race than that Bernie Sanders will take over uh, and, and actually gain, gain the nomination. But like we both, I think we both agree at the very least that Bernie Sanders is much more of a force than Hillary Clinton wants to believe right now. Yeah, well, the turnout numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. He's attracting crowds of 10, 20,000 people in small states. Right. And Hillary Clinton is speaking at empty arenas. Right. Empty. Okay, now some people will say that, because we talked a lot about the Republican field and then the Democrat field. Some people will say, well, Barack and Ari, that this is a reflection of how polarized we've become in this nation. Good. <laughs> well, okay, I, I disagree. I, dis I disagree that we're polarized. I think we've always had this notion of what works and what doesn't and such like that. I, I just think that more and more people are deciding to adopt um, and embrace these socialist ways. Um, for example, gay marriage is such a good emblematic example of that, right? Because if you were to take gay marriage just 20 years ago, the very notion would be so absurd. It would be as absurd as, no, it's, it would be more absurd than us talking about polygamy as a legitimate form of marriage. Because oddly enough, it's much more le legitimate these days than ever before, but that, we, we don't need to get into that right now. Point is that um, it, it's so absurd what it was like 20, 30 years ago, and here we are. So the fact that we've embraced this, it's a reflection of who we are as a culture. I don't think the embrace is a one-to-one -one comparison as you're looking at it. I, I think there's a, a more open and libertarian streak in people to be tolerant of others. But th just like abortion... Uh, when people see the truth of the same-sex marriage uh, cultural impact and see that it's actually taking the rights away from others, it, rights can't be redistributed. You can't. There's no uh, quid pro quos or um, zero-sum games in rights. Rights are simply transcendent. They are what they are. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked about several times how the gay marriage decision is simply taking rights from one people and giving them to others. And when people realize that's the case and that religious people are going to have gag orders or be economically destroyed or churches are going to be forced out of business, they're going to reconsider this big time. Yeah. Also, they might be tolerant of, of homosexual culture, but they're not tolerant of having things rammed down their throats by fiat. And so just like with abortion, there's going to be a massive backlash where people are going to realize they're more conservative than they thought. Well, I, I think that's, that's a good point. My take is a little bit different, Ari. Um, I think that there's always been the counterweight to every social issue. So the more extreme the left becomes, and it's always a function of the, of the, the, the left becoming more extreme. It's not a function of the, the right becoming more extreme. It never has been. Yeah, conservatism right, by definition can't be extreme because right. it's conservative. Right. Because because we're doing something that we believe is tried and true. 
So we're not trying to pass laws that uh, tell people how, you know, what to pray to or how to pray or when to pray, or, 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 nor are we passing laws uh, that, um, that somehow criminalize somebody for an abortion. Uh, we don't like abortion at all by any stretch, but we're not actually passing that. There's no actual threat of that. It's always the liberals that are trying to advance position, and it's our, our position as counter to them is to say, no, we don't want that. So that's that's what it's really like. It, think of it like a tree, where, you know, the branches are supposed to kind of be spreading out a little bit, but instead the branch goes so far to 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 one side that it's that it's threatening the very structure of the tree itself. To pull the tree over in that yeah, direction. It's yes. going to pull it over and, and uproot us all. And that's that's the way I perceive the left for for me and. And, and if the left feels otherwise, well, you guys on the right are the ones doing that. I, that's fine. You're entitled to your perception. I think, I think you're wrong if you think it that way because you can't really claim, you can't really point to anything that shows this rightward movement on the part of um, the country, sadly. Right. And to prove it, like you just said, we're not looking at uh, instituting the death penalty for anyone involved in abortion down to the receptionist. Right. We're just talking about restricting when in the term you can do it. That's right. And whether it's an ambulatory medical center or whatever they call that, where if, if something bad happens, they have um, EMTs on staff. Yeah, you know, but, things that, in other words, reasonable regulation. Yeah, but, but we don't need to get to abortion because it's, yeah. not, it's, it's not even a good example because the issue in abortion is not about, it's not about um, us trying to uh, impose a... Worldview and a, and, a, and a whole. It's not as if we're trying to create a new regulatory agency, for example. Yes. Uh, it's people who are against abortion view abortion as a crime. That's the point. And the pro-choice guys, they view it as not a crime, and they view it instead as a right by all means, by, by some strange measure. But there you go. So it's not really a fair comparison. I don't really want to get into it. We. The, the point is that we are against regulations. Generally speaking, we are for. We, there's a libertarian streak among us. Uh, we do think America is great. We do think we should teach America in the schools. We think God is good. We think family is good. Uh, and we think liberty is good. Is yeah, good. And we generally want the government to leave us alone. That's the right. other side generally wants the government to help us with everything. Right. And that has always been the way in yeah. the conservative mindset, from William F. Buckley uh, to Ronald Reagan to the present day. It, it hasn't changed. And But the liberals, by contrast, they're constantly finding a new right to pursue, a new entitlement, a new agency to advance. And and all we're doing, the only thing we're doing, is simply saying, that's going too far. That's going too far. Stop. Have you thought about the consequences, my friend on the left? That's all it is. And so going back to the whole polarization, the supposed polarization, no. No, the only one that's polarizing, if anything, are, are the, the ones on the left. They're the ones kind of creating these bizarre things and, and telling you if you don't believe in same-sex sex marriage, which just five, seven years ago was, was considered absurd. And then if you don't believe in the, in the greatness and the rightness of, of same-sex marriage, well, then not only are you unsophisticated, but you're a bigot. Yeah, you're full of hate. And they never... And, and, then, and then they accuse us of, being, of polarizing the country. Right. They're the ones creating these bizarre... New things, yeah. and they never hold their their party um, uh, classmates to account for having the uh, not 
enlightened position. Where is the accusations of uh, Barack Obama's uh, mm-hmm. past sins on, yeah. on gay marriage? That's right. Not being a supporter. Where are Hillary Clinton's right. past sins? Yeah, it, it, uh, it doesn't exist, of course, according to yeah, that. This is hate. It's, it's like saying, well, that means Obama and Hillary were uh, former grand dragons of the anti-gay version of the KKK. Yeah. Why are they trusted in power today? But the bottom line is that uh, the Democratic Party is really it's, – it's an interesting study to see how they're doing things. They, they always claim to like to look at the Republican Party and what a clown show it is and such like that. But we talked about this before. The reason why the Republicans the, – uh, there are so many of them now running into the fray, it's simply because it's such a good opportunity for each one of those candidates. They, this is their most realistic shot for a while, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat running in, in office – this is a great moment for them to run. I don't blame each and every one of them. Now, eventually, uh, you know, they'll start fraying on the sides, and it'll be down to four, then three, then two, and so on. That's the way it's going to be. Um, you mean kind of like basketball playoffs or That's right, basketball playoffs. Where at the end you have a winner? Wow. Yeah. How about that? Right. So, so we, have, we have that now, but on the Democratic side, very interesting. I like, I, I'm very I'm fascinated to see, because I see the Democratic Party fighting within itself, trying to figure out who they are right now. You and I feel that the Democratic Party, it's really two, two parties, isn't it? There's, there's the devious Democratic Party, uh, those among those in the Democratic Party. Those are the Hillary Clintons. She represents those who claim to be conservative or pl- claim to, to, to want traditional values, but are not. And okay. all they want is to be elected. Right. And then the other side, which is? The Bernie Sanders group. The which Bernie wants S- to change the world. They, and, and they're open about it, and they're honest about it. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> I, I suppose I, I prefer the Bernie Sanders only because you know what you're getting. Yeah. If you're going to vote for Bernie Sanders, you are voting for socialism. And, and if you get Bernie Sanders, well, I guess, I guess that's what this country has turned into, a socialist country. But I, I hate it that, that somebody could dress up as grandma and then end up swallowing the little girl, the little girl being America, right? I don't want that. And that's the terrifying moment that we're now facing uh, just by way of looking at what the Democratic Party is, is, is doing and how they're trying to identify themselves. All right, when we get back, we will talk a little bit more about this, but also... We're going to be talking about ISIS and the latest movements by the administration claiming that they're going to be doing something about it. This is really worth listening to. I'm shocked, shocked that the Obama administration would say some of the things that they've been saying. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his 
his, tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. And this is the Brucklery Podcast with me and my good friend and producer, Ari David. Thank you, Ari, for being here. Always a pleasure. Darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. Well, you know, this this is, I try to keep this as a, a PG show, man. Darn tootin'. <laughs> so, I know, that was too G-rated. All right. Well, you know, we're back from the break. And uh, as you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about, uh, well, all the other issues that we just talked about. I, I guess we, as we said, we're going to talk about ISIS. And ISIS is interesting because uh, how Obama is dealing with it. He has the latest strategy du jour, right? It's constantly changing. <laughs> it's, what, what's your strategy today, sir? It's like the weather, right? You know, they should, they should have a forecaster for what Obama's strategy is today, right? <laughs> so there's an app for that, by the way. This is Fritz Coleman with Obama's yeah, strategy Fritz, yeah. forecast. That's right. Here's the, here's the one day, the hourly, and the seven day. Exactly. So we expect Obama to uh, to throw, uh, you know, 100 more um, uh, boots on the ground. And uh, no, no, but at Wednesday, we expect him to pull them all back. It looks like a high-pressure system's coming, and he's going to resort to a steady standby of blaming Bush. There you go. That's right. It's always there. It's the Bush factor. Yeah. Anyway, it's not even a corollary to, to weather. It's just that he's so fickle, and he changes his tune all the time. You, you really don't know where you stand. What it's amazing to me with Obama <clears throat> is that he thinks that we are going to watch him on the news as he get, delivers yet another strategy speech. But wait a minute. I thought you already had a strategy speech. Isn't, isn't the whole point of strategy speech is to, here's my strategy, now we're going to execute on it. You mean the same way uh, a campaign kickoff for like Hillary Clinton is a campaign kickoff and not just a precursor of another campaign kickoff? Yeah, you, you just don't do that, right? <laughs> well, I, I get it. But, but, but the point, but you, you don't just, you know, or put it this way, you don't do like an opening of my new pizza store, right? Grand opening, right? And then two weeks later, grand opening. <laughs> and it's going to be different. It's going to, and different management and everything else like that. But at some point you say, well, something's wrong with your business if you can't, keep on floating it without getting the attention of a, a new grand opening. And that's what his strategy uh, sessions or his conferences are all about. He, he, it's as if something new is happening. And I guess he thinks that we forgot that he already had previous strategy sessions. Now, this time he's done it in the Pentagon. I guess there's some meaning to that. And t tell us, Ari, the basic gist of his strategy, because you said it actually very well, better than I could have. Go. Uh, I think he wants them to not lose. I think he's on their side. Is that the one you were talking about? No, no. Okay, no. We'll, we'll interpret that later. What did he actually claim to say as a strategy? 
Oh, that they're training the... The Syrian the, rebels? Oh, yes. Okay, so there are these rebels within Syria that he calls the Free Syrian Army. Right. That we've been training since sometime in, like, 2011, when the original pink line in the sand was drawn. Right. But now we're really going to train right. them. Right, but now we're really going to train them. And the announcement at the Pentagon was that we have a batch trained, ready to go into combat. And this is really good news, because now... It's getting serious, folks. And he announced that we have 60 whole fighters ready to go into the theater. 60, you say? 60. Wow. Not 60,000, 60. Right, right. Now, in the last five minutes, ISIS has recruited 60 people. (laughs) Right. Just the start of this podcast. But, But, Ari, you do, I mean, in defense of Obama, you have to admit that 60 is more than 50. Right? And 50 is more, more than, than 40. 40. <laughs> and he'll be stating that 40 is more than 30. You see three. what I'm saying? Yeah. You see? You see? you got to give credit where credit's due. It could have been 55, but instead he went the extra mile and put in those extra five. It's 60, by golly. That, that's, uh, it, it's so shameful, the, the strategy, this, this pathetic drip-and-drab sort of approach to the military. Look, we talked before. We had a whole podcast about this. The only thing that makes you win... A, uh, a war or any true military conflict is passion. You have to want to win. And, you know, the, the, the resources, we've, we've got that, right? It's a, I mean, I would say, generally speaking, you need the resources to win. You need the technology, the resources, uh, and the passion, right? Okay, the, the technology and the resources, we've got that. We've got that better than anybody else out there on the planet. But we have almost zero passion. Zero desire to win. And, and putting aside, we don't even know what winning looks like. What, what is the end game? You can say, well, Barack, the end game is to destroy all of ISIS. And, uh, okay, and then what, you can say, and then what, is, what, are, you, what are you really looking for? Because there won't be, there'll be more extremists later on and such. But, but I agree, the, the, the main goal should be to destroy all of ISIS. Okay, we, it's a reality. It's not good enough to say, well, somebody else will, will replace them, right? You still got to go out there. And the reason why you got to go out there and kill the mother efforts called ISIS is because those that would replace them would know that they're going to be just like ISIS, right? And it might take decades, but you got to blitz the frig out of them. That's, that's what you got to do. You got you to corner them, you got to put a noose around them and do a, a complete coordinating off of the bad guys and then squeeze them inward. That's why you do it. And then, you, of course, you bomb them for, from the beginning. But no such thing is happening here. You hear uh, this or that uh, warehouse being blown up, and, and occasionally there's, there's some sort of leader that they claim to be a leader of ISIS being killed. Okay, that's good. Uh, it's certainly better than nothing. But this is a very tepid sort of thing. It's like, uh, it's like I don't know, it's like a soldier who tries to show that he's being a good soldier by you know, going into the front line, uh, shooting a couple of uh, bullets, never mind where they land or, if they, or, or even if he's aiming anywhere, and then running back and saying, I fought in the Battle of Gettysburg, right, or whatever it might be. That's the way Obama is. This, this war to him, this ISIS war, he has no interest in winning it. I mean, I, I know that you already believe that he's, an interest, he's interested in, in actually losing it. But I won't go that, that far yet, but I am confident. You'll, that you'll, is, you'll be that far in a couple I, months. A couple I know months. You. Yeah. Well, maybe after he writes his next book, <laughs> which, which I understand is entitled, I Want to Lose This War. 
<laughs> Actually, he uh, is recording an album and writing an accompanying book with um, uh, James Taylor called Isis, colon, You, you Got a Friend. <laughs> <laughs> or Isis, a love story. I, right. I, I get it. <laughs> we are so mean. Look, the, the point is you've got to, you got to have passion to win this. And... and I will say, at the very least, he has no passion. Even if he really, if he wants to win the war, okay, let's let's give that to him just for the sake of discussion right now. But I want a lot of things. I want to, I don't know. I want to double my income. How about that? But just wanting it and doing the things necessary to achieve it are two very different things, right? I want to double my income. I want to get that girl, right? I I want. Uh, people to respect me. I want um, to get the perfect bowling game, right? Well, okay, that's great. But you you have to do things to achieve all those things that you're you talking mean, about. You mean like get good at stuff? Get good. By repeating the task over and over, doing the yeah. hard work. Hard work. That's it, it usually involves hard work and actually yeah. thinking a little bit. And yes, strategizing. But this president, he wants to defeat ISIS, but he also wants to do so without... Having any people hurt, you know, no, no animals were harmed in the, the making of this film, right? That's what he wants. It, it, it's, it's a perfect war. Nobody dies. Nobody even gets wounded. Um, and, and nobody could claim that he's uh, perpetuating a war that he himself has felt it shouldn't have been started in the first place, right? So he wants it all to happen by itself. Why, why, why doesn't everyone fight wars like he proposes, right? Anyway. Isn't it also telling... That the more atrocious the evil actors, the less passion the Democrat has for going after them. So, oh, for that's instance, so true. So that's for a... instance, some stupid pirates off of the coast of Somalia who grab a shipping container ship and try to hold it for ransom for a few thousand dollars. That he'll go shoot the bastards. Yes. Right. Yes, that's but true. you have an organized <laughs> system that's setting up an actual country here. Based on killing people right. in gruesome ways, not dispatching them with, uh, you know, the way you kill a, a, put a dog to sleep at the vet, you know, humanely, but gruesomely and viscerally designed to create fear in all who see the results of the death. For sure. And for those, uh, maybe we'll send 60 guys. Uh, I don't want to put a boot on the ground. Uh, we don't have the passion for this. Uh, I'm not going to get us involved in another ground war in the Middle East. Without ever asking, because these are just bumper stickers. Right. <laughs> that never ask the question, well, what are the stakes? What is the level of suffering that is going to happen if you don't get involved well, in another war uh, in the uh, Middle hold, East? Hold on. You're, 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 I'm sorry. I'm you, just going to go over you, here. You forget the yeah. primary rule of all liberals, or, or, or most liberals, let's put it this way, certainly the hard left, that they never think things through. So for you to ask the question... What would happen if we don't do such a thing? I mean, my friend, that is consequence after consequence after consequence. There's no way. That, that's like the movie, you know, uh, Inception, you know, dream within a dream, right. a dream. Or like, that is way, it's like blow your mind thinking, man. It's like a tamale wrapped in a burrito, stuffed in a taco, and all covered with cheese. It's yeah, a big maze. It's a, you're expecting, that's like expecting my son who's 10, 10 years old to know calculus. It's just, it's not, it's, it, but it, it, you know, it's not even a good analogy because calculus is in fact fairly complicated. And, and it is learnable though. And it's learnable, but nevertheless, consequences like 
you know, gosh, if you if you run with that hot cup of coffee, it's likely to spill and someone's going to get hurt. Um, don't do that, right? Or here's some scissors. Don't run with it. You know, that, these are that's the kind of consequence don't we're talking about. Don't take a fork and go like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's he's he's, he's gouging uh, your eye. Gouging his eye uh, motions here. Look, this is what you don't do. So consequences are not the specialty of the far left. Shall we say that? And so for you to ask what I think is a very reasonable question, you know, have you thought about what would happen if we don't do that? That's, that's just blow your mind, man. It doesn't, doesn't happen. And, and we need uh, people to, to think about all these things, of course. We need our president to think about this. Now, I, I think the president does think about this. He has to. And so there's no way that he doesn't have some people saying, Mr. President, if we don't do this, then this is the risk that we face. By the way, you still have a year and a half, and this could happen on your watch, and you don't want that. So even from his political calculations, he needs to think about these things, right? Because the worse ISIS gets, uh, the, the more it's going to be a campaign issue for his uh, Democrats uh, on, on, on his side of the aisle, right? So it's just from his own self-interest, he should ask the, you know, what, what, will this, what will this do to me if I don't stop ISIS or at least severely uh, impede their ability to move forward? But you really think that? I mean, I know you really I'm, think I'm, that. I'm, you're, such, you're such a generous soul. I'm and I love you because of your generosity. <laughs> but don't you think this is a man who actually thinks, well, these are the growing pains of democracy that we went through in 1776. This is the Islamic equivalent No, no, you didn't, you didn't hear me then. You didn't hear me. I'm saying... That even from his own selfish political animal purposes, he should wonder what the consequences of not doing something are. That, that's what I'm saying. He should look at it and say, this is going to be bad for my party. If, if ISIS continues to grow, and let's just, let's just put it this way. Let's say ISIS so succeeds in the Middle East that it knocks on, basically is now infiltrating into Israel. And not only that, but it's now taking over all of France and all over Germany and Okay, it, and it's really transparent. That will not look good for the, the Democratic Party. Okay, that, so I'm saying, from a selfish point of view, he needs to at least put this at bay. That's all. Okay, but even that he doesn't think about. That's the that's the amazing thing to me, is that he can't think in those ways, or he won't think of those ways. So he he can, <clears throat> but he won't. And as a consequence, I, I, I that, that tilts more in your line of thinking. Ari, because a rational person, even a greedy person, who is out to protect his own party, would say we got to do something if, if only for the sake of the party, right? Right, and that's why I make the argument because we both agree the beauty of free enterprise is by acting in your self-interest, you wind up acting in everyone else's mutual interest, kind of by default. Right. I care about getting paid because I'm a greedy bastard. So I'm going to do something self-centered. I'm going to do a good job for the people buying my products that I keep buying them, right? Did you hear that IRS? <laughs> He's a greedy bastard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I really think Obama is such an ideologue in, mm -hmm. in the collectivist sense that he acts, he believes... Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he acts and believes that he's acting in the interests of the collective by not acting in his own political interests right, right, to right. such an extent where this kind of stuff happens. If you take your position that he's at least cares about doing the right thing, which I think he doesn't. I think he cares about doing the wrong thing. Well, my point is that if, if, he, if he cares about doing the wrong thing, it, it, but the wrong thing here in this case would be to at least protect his own party. 
and, and just do it for the sake of the party. It, that would end up being the right thing to do and good for, for his party. But let's not go too far afield of this, okay, because I think we're saying pretty much the same thing. <clears throat> we're agreeing to it. But what really befuddles me is how he thinks that this is like Groundhog Day, right, where the, he, he's saying yet another strategy speech. And, you know, in Groundhog Day, the movie, of course, the Bill Murray character, he knows what he's done every day previously, but it was, you know, everyone else, it's for them, it's, the, it's February 2nd for the first time. But not for him, right? Yeah, but look how he does the same thing in that regard with <clears throat> Iran, too. The statements every day is, we're afraid Iran's going to be closer to a bomb. Yeah, one and, month, and that was like four years ago. Yeah. To, than today. We're afraid Iran will be closer to a bomb. Uh, they are clearly closer to a bomb based on what's happened the last four years. Well, we're, but we're, he still acts like it's four years ago. See, that's the funny thing is that it's actually Groundhog Day in reverse. Yes. Because all of us are in Groundhog Day. <laughs> right. And Obama is the one who's got a timeline. He, he doesn't realize. Yeah. He's, he's the one that doesn't realize. He's living it for the first time. But we see him for, for how he's repeating himself over and over again. Groundhog Day, my friend. So um, that's one thing. Uh, and, and until we have a president that, that understands that he's not fooling anyone... Because that's the core of it. He thinks he can fool everyone. Forget about Groundhog Day for a second. He, he knows, of course, that he made these previous speeches. But he must think that the, the public is so fickle that they'll, you know, run to his speeches like a moth, you know, goes to a flame. Like not realizing that this is, you know, to his own death and, and, and it's just instinctive somehow. He thinks that merely by putting a microphone in front of himself that people will just gravitate toward him. What does his majesty have to say today? And everything else that he previously said, well, it never happened. This is the first time of real import that I'm talking about strategy, yeah. for example. This is the concern I have about this president. And, and what's going to be, what's, what's so odd is that we know that there's going to be yet another strategy speech a month from now, two months from now, and it'll be very important, and he'll want everyone to speak to him and to start to listen to him. And here's that mic, and he'll approach it, and when he's done, he'll turn around and walk solemnly back to his White House awful Oval Office desk. You know, get back to work, right? And this, uh, this is the frustrating. This is, this is um, not what makes me angry about Obama. It's certainly what makes me disrespect him because he disrespects us. Well, but to be fair to Obama, we've seen the kind of people who vote for him. And if you were Obama and you saw the kind of people who vote for you, <clears throat> would you treat them that way? It's, it's, a, it's, I mean, good, it's a good it's a good argument. It's a good argument. But I think there are, there are deeper people than that. Even even though they, there may be people that don't uh, don't watch and, and pay attention to the news as deeply as you and I do, uh, and there are many of them. I understand that. But still, even so, you still gotta show some modicum of, of respect for the people. If, if only for the media. I mean, at some point, you can only fool the media that's, that's uh, you know, on your side all this time to play ball for you. Uh, and, and certainly the media is, is on top of this all the time, right? More so than, than you and I are in many cases, Breitbart and, and otherwise. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a different issue. And that is um, the recent scandals uh, involving uh, the, uh, the, the, the stock market. The stock market today um, went into a hiatus mode for three plus hours. Yeah, totally right. shut. Well, they had a trading shutdown on the trading floor. Electronic transactions right. could still take place. <clears throat> right. Okay. 
So basically, they shut down Wall Street. Now, this is on the heels of the day before of a warning from a hacking site, apparently, that they're going to do something with Wall Street. Yeah, the Hacking Collective Anonymous. Okay, now that's that's what I understand from you. Yes. I, I believe it. I mean, but you could say maybe maybe what happens if it's every day somebody says that, right? Then they could say, well, you know, what's new? <laughs> There's always somebody claiming that they're going right. to bring down Wall Street. And then, sure enough, Wall Street goes into a... Uh, into a tizzy or a glitch, as they say, and then, and then the hackers say, you see, I told you. And they could argue, well, that's like making 50 different predictions and videoing yourself all the time. And then the one that ends up being happening, because you're bound to get it right, uh, that's the one you showcase to the media. You see oh, what I yeah, said? Oh, yeah, the old placard, the world will end today at noon. Right. See? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I predicted it. <laughs> uh, or whatever the prediction might be, I predict that the following... Uh, you know what you can do? You can predict, You can, for example, make a prediction, good for today, that uh, Rand Paul will win, that Donald Trump will win, that Ted Cruz will win, and so on. Oh, yeah, all right? 20 of them. All then. 20 of them. And then, and then you could be the guy. You say, see, I predicted back in, uh, you know, what is it, July 8, uh, 2015. And that's how smart I am. So they, they may be doing the same thing, for all you know. But if it's true that this is a random thing and somebody did it only once, then we've got a problem on our hands because... If it's a, then, then it's clearly not a glitch. Then it's clearly somebody hacking into it. And, uh, and it shows that our stock market is very vulnerable. Now, <clears throat> if it's true, and I don't want to get into conspiracy theory here, but nevertheless, I have no doubt that if Wall Street were in fact hacked, they would want to make clear that they were not hacked, right? That's the last thing that they want. That they, you cannot have a stock market being so vulnerable to a random attack that then you have lack of confidence in the markets, it would really cause a devastation. So I understand the desire not to do, uh, not to, to tell the truth, frankly. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't tell the truth. It is what it is. Another reason why I think, and I think you think, Ari, that uh, this may very well have been purposeful is China. The stock market in China is collapsing. Uh, it's going through a really rough spot, if, if, if you want to put it that way. It's a very, very bad situation going on. And this could have, I think what somebody, a reasonable interpretation of this would be to say, well, gosh, a glitch happening just the, the day after is a little odd, don't you think, Mr. Lurie? Yeah, and to put this in perspective, the uh, Chinese stock market is down 1,400 points today. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, and uh, the Chinese, what's, the, what's the percentage of the of the five point seven one percent? That's a very big. That's a big. And the China A fifty uh, went down eleven six. That's on like their S and P down nine point nine, almost ten percent. Wow. So you can see that this is, you know, like nineteen twenty nine uh, material size. Yeah, meltdown. yeah that's. Uh... And and this is coming on the heels of Greece. So you know, there's uh, this cascade of investor lack of confidence that's potentially contaminating markets worldwide right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that China is reacting to Greece. Uh, you can argue that Greece is, is a tempest in a teapot because, it, you know, as we discussed before, the, the relative um, uh, influence of Greek uh, Greece in, in the world economy is, is truly a drop in the bucket. It's, right, but it's a, it's they, a they produce virtually nothing. It's a destabilizing thing for European currencies yes. more than anything else. But it's 
And it's not that it that these things are entirely independent, but they're not entirely related. But that's, the timing is is illustrative because people were afraid about American markets based on the Greece and uh, Puerto Rican situations last week, right. and then this week the Chinese market collapses. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's an important thing. But the timing of the glitch we'll call, call the glitch with a capital G because that's what it's going to be known as for the time being. The timing is very suspect. Uh, if indeed uh, there was, first of all, the warning a day before by a random uh, um, concerner, uh, a random um, by the hacking collective. Uh, yeah, by the hacking collective. And if and if it's true that they don't do it every day, well then this is that's meaningful. And then of course the timing with the China uh, meltdown. It, it's also very suspe suspect. Yeah, I, and this is the same day that United <clears> Airlines <throat> had some major outage, and the Wall Street Journal. And these are all. The kinds of entities that would be in the target hairs of something like anonymous. They you know go what? After I, those, that's a very good point. I forgot about the United. Uh, it was United Airlines. Yeah. Okay. So they go down for for so long. Um, it's it's a little odd. It's very odd. Now let's talk about how that is translated from a legal point of view, right? I mean, a legal burden of proof. You know, are there there are actually about three different standards in law. There's. Uh, there is a proof by a preponderance of the evidence, right? So you, that's that kind of lady justice thing where they, the scale's there, and there's a slightly tipping on one side. Well, that's the one who wins. So think of it like 50.5% or even 50.1%. That's the guy who wins. Uh, now, there's something called clear and convincing evidence, which means that it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, which we'll talk about in a moment. But clear and convincing evidence means that it has to be more than 50%. It has to be clear and convincing. Okay, clear. So to my mind, you can think of that as like 75%, 80% maybe. And then there is beyond a reasonable doubt, which to my mind, I'd say 95 96%, right? Um, it, it depends. It's all subjective. I understand that. But that's to my mind, okay? So what, what do you think those various factors that we just talked about uh, demonstrate to you, if you were to take this in a court of law and, and try to argue your point that this glitch was no glitch, sir, no, not at all, this was a, a true hacking, this was purposeful at the very least, I, I think that the evidence that we have uh, is at least preponderance of the evidence. At least, and it's approaching the second clearance. Yeah. It's, it's not beyond a reasonable it doubt. It be the third, obviously. No. This isn't OJ or something no. like that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, clear, convincing. It's it's approaching that. I think you're right. It's somewhere between 50 and 75 percent uh, likelihood that this was a hacking attempt. Yeah, a deliberate event. And yeah. you also put this in context with the other recent cyber attacks that have been happening over the last month, because there have been several. Right. Taking out, you know, power uh, uh, agencies or you know, electric companies, uh, different other utilities. Things right. like that. Well, there, there's going to be an investigation into this, right? And they're going to they're going to find out whether or not this was a hacking because the public does have a right to know. I want to know. Um, I, I'm an investor in the stock market. I want to I want to know how safe it is. Um, and they will in interrogate. They will investigate. There may be some emails exchanged. There may have been some texts exchanged as to what to say to the to the press and otherwise. You know, how do we spin this sort of thing? Um, and how do they respond to it? And I think ultimately it's going to come out that there's, there was some purposeful event going on here, probably a hacking. Yeah. And uh, God forbid if it's from China itself or some or Russia, uh, who knows? We know that, that 
uh, I believe it was China or Russia that hacked into the White House uh, and, and, and into the Pentagon recently. Why would it be so hard to to hack into the to Wall Street? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Is I actually <clears throat> am less threatened by state actors doing this than the independent anarchists of Anonymous. Anonymous is an extremely dangerous organization because there is no place to go for retribution. If you can prove China did this or Russia did this, there's diplomatic, military, and economic sanction that can't be levied against mm-hmm. the actors you prove. You're happened. absolutely right. Because yeah. it's, 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 if you will, an organized entity. Right. With Anonymous, there's no there there. Yeah. The, the, the stuff they pull off is so violent, so destructive. They're behind many of the riots as you see in Ferguson and Baltimore and Chicago and elsewhere. They were behind the entire uh, Occupy how, Wall Street movement. How do we know that? Because they get involved in those things and yeah. they, they use their social media and hacking resources to attack police departments. Like, for instance, they were the hackers who uh, got all those emails out of, I believe, the Ferguson Police Department that proved some of the uh, Ferguson PD had exchanged. Uh, let's just say uh, less than tasteful jokes about things, right? And got these guys fired, and then used that, turned those over to the media, and then it results in riots, which of course burn down businesses and kill people. Right. And there's no accountability; no one can find who Anonymous is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a terrifying prospect. Yeah, some are, of them are in in country, some of them are out of country. There, are, there, are, there are some people. Look, uh, as you know, um, part of the mission of the progressive mindset is to destroy. Yes. Uh, they, they claim it's progressive. They claim that it's good for the society. But in fact, what they are doing is they are destroying. It reminds me a little bit, uh, in fact, a lot of um, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. And uh, you, you saw that movie, right, where there's the Genesis Project. And the Genesis Project, what is it? It's uh, this To notion, build new worlds. To build new worlds. And, you know, they could take a, a moon, for example, and they create an atmosphere in such a way that life is now possible and boom, you, you, have, you can colonize these different planets. Great. And then, of course, it begs the question, what if you don't like the planet as it is? Why not use the Genesis Project to kill everything in its path to create a new, a new world? And I think there is, there is an impulse among many on the far left, not all, but many on the far left, to do just that. They wanna, in their minds, they, they want to destroy the Earth. They want to replace the existing systems. And I, when I say existing systems, I mean not just capitalism, but I mean family. What, everything what, you what, can imagine, what, everything in front of you. What justice means, that to get rid of the Ten Commandments, for sure. Uh, that, uh, that Marriage. Well, yeah, marriage and part of family, I, I guess I meant that. But every classic institution is somehow keeping us down, and we, we must replace it. With what? That they're not too clear themselves. So that's the famous line from Michael Moore. But this is what they do. And, and so when you're talking about Anonymous and what they've been doing, and for that matter, Occupy Wall Street and otherwise, it, it, it becomes clear to me this is a, a group of people that apparently want to destroy. They just they want to destroy what is. But don't, don't think for a moment, my friends, if you are on the far left or you, you, you identify yourself strongly as a liberal and you embrace uh, same-sex marriage and, and the redefinition of marriage, and if you embrace wholeheartedly abortion on demand and, and uh, that everyone should be able to go into whatever bathroom they like regardless of whether they're male or female and, 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 and that everyone should have $25 minimum wage and, and uh, stick it to the, to the rich man and all that stuff. If you're one of those people, 
Mark my words, you are very, you have far more in common with those people who seek to destroy than you can ever imagine. Because just like Michael Moore, he wants to replace everything also. He would, he would never say that he's supportive of Anonymous and what they're doing, for example, right? He would never say, I want to I put a bomb, uh, you know, a gigantic bomb over the United States of America that would wipe it all away, and then I'll have my foot soldiers, you know, replace the system. He would never say such a thing, nor would he actually mean such a thing. But you know what? He might as well, because everything that he's advancing would achieve just that. And he doesn't even know what he would replace it with. And that's my concern of this uh, stock market crash. We are dealing with, with monsters out there who don't realize that the institutions that we have developed are pretty damn good. They're not perfect, but a hell of a lot better and more perfect than any other system that the world has ever devised or presented. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon. 